Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Hey, Rebecca, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Hey, Blake. Thank you so much. This is so fun. We have been talking about doing this for forever. You have your own podcast and an author. You're an author in your own right. And so we've been connecting on Instagram and talking about getting on here and and chatting about your book, Lies Mom Believe. Moms Believe in How the Gospel Refutes Them because that's kind of what we're, we're all about here. This is the perfect fit. Yeah, I've been excited about this. We've kind of chatted a little bit, like you said, on Instagram about some of these things just privately. And so that's been a lot of fun. So I've been looking forward to this too. And it kind of was just another chance for us to chat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Almost in real life. So, so right. close. So close. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and, and, you know, what you're passionate about, what your book's about. Sure. Well, I'm Rebecca Hargraves and uh, my husband Owen and I live in Tennessee with our two kiddos, Anna and James. They are five and a half and three and a half. We are bumping up right against birthday season here, along with the holidays too. So we're <laughs> <laughs> just heading into busy season for our family. But I homeschool my oldest and um, I blog. I, like you said, host a podcast. And it's always fun to talk to fellow podcasters because they get it. Yes. <laughs> they know what it's like. So I host the podcast and then um, I run a blog. I've written a handful of books and also do some freelance writing. So writing is a, a big portion of what I do. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Especially as those of us who are kind of babies in the writing world, you have been so helpful kind of behind the scenes, helping me navigate writing in general. So I'm really thankful <sighs> for that. And you're, you're such a voice of encouragement in that area. So your book, Lies Mom Believe, lies, I don't know why I keep saying that wrong, lies moms <laughs> believe. So my first question out the gate is, is, do you feel like this is applicable to all women or is it more so for, for really for moms? Yeah, so what's really interesting is when I first wrote the book uh, a couple years back, a friend of mine who at the time was single, so she's married now, but she was single at the time, no kids or anything, she read it just in support of me. <laughs> just, yeah. I, she had a friend who wrote a book, so she read it. And she came back, I guess it was about a month later, and she was like, Becca, this was so encouraging. And I, I wasn't really expecting that necessarily. Like, I figured she'd say, oh, good book, you know, whatever. But she was very supportive. But I figured, you know, being a, a single woman without kids, I didn't really know if it would at first resonate with her or not. But she came back and said it was so encouraging in that, you know, there are lies in the book about guilt and about, um, you know, this idea that we have to be perfect. And there were various principles, I guess you would say, covered in the book and various struggles addressed in the book that even though she wasn't a mom, she still dealt with guilt mm -hmm. or with perfectionism. And so there were things in it that she then was able to apply to her life, which made me really excited. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll say too, like the very first lie in the book is the lie that motherhood is a woman's highest calling. Mm. And it 
probably seems a little weird to start a book on motherhood with a lie like that, but I did it for a reason. And that is if we believe that lie, that can kind of serve as the foundation for many of the other lies that follow afterwards. And it can lead to a lot of the other lies. And so that's why I say any woman that perhaps, you know, reads this book who isn't a mom, I think can still get something from it. Um, I've had people say that that first lie has been really helpful for them Mm -hmm. because one of the things I say in it is that, or in that chapter is that it, at face value, it sounds like an encouraging thing. Oh, motherhood is a woman's highest calling. That's great. But (laughs) when we actually kind of dig down a little bit deeper and think through like the logical implications of that, Mm -hmm. then we realize that that is not good news for a single woman or a woman dealing with infertility. Or, I mean, I don't know that as a mom, I want that to be my highest calling. Is that terrible? Yeah. No, well, (laughs) see, here's the thing. I, I understand that. And that the reason I say that that lie leads to some of the others is a couple of the other lies right after that are that motherhood is basically to be where you find your ultimate identity mm-hmm. and your fulfillment. And as soon as you think that your identity is to be based in motherhood, you are setting yourself up for a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Like on that good day, you know, when you don't lose your temper and your kids are listening to you and everybody's getting along, well then, yay, you're a great mom. Right. But then the next day when you absolutely lose your ever loving mind and your kids are losing theirs and it's constant fighting and bickering and disobedience, then suddenly you're a bad mom. Right. And now you have you, an, you aren't ever going to achieve your highest calling. Right. It's a, exactly. it's, and it's a total roller coaster. And that yes. may be a potentially unpopular statement, but being a mom is not my highest calling. It's my most important right. job mm-hmm. without a doubt. But yeah. my highest calling is like loving God and loving others. And so being a mom falls under that, but it's not. And I do, I think that there, it's such a dichotomy between there are the women, you know, there's the side that thinks that, you know, motherhood is beneath them. And then there's the side that thinks that it's everything. And it's like, guys, we got to find some middle ground here where exactly (laughs) it can be a little bit of, a little bit of both that that motherhood is not my entire identity but it is also a very important part of what i get to do yes and that's the thing you know i after coming out of a lot of legalism in my past and i think we've talked about that a little bit mm-hmm. i have come to so just uh love the word balance like that is mm-hmm. my thing <laughs> yeah you know finding like this balance where this extreme is not biblical and that extreme is not biblical so where is that that middle ground, if you will, that biblical truth that, that actually is the right stance. And so the first two lies in the book seem like complete opposites. And that's because they are, because the truth is in the middle. The first lie is motherhood is a woman's highest calling. And the second is that mothering is unimportant work. Mm -hmm. It's not either one of those, but like you said, like your, your ultimate highest calling is to love God and to love others. I love how you put that. And it's when we remember that and keep that in the forefront of our minds, that's then when motherhood, which is an outworking, mm-hmm. like one particular outworking of that higher calling, that highest calling, that's when motherhood then receives the most of its importance. Like that, because if you think about motherhood as being an outworking of like the Great Commission mm-hmm. or your call to glorify God, then motherhood is very important. Mm-hmm. It's not suddenly unimportant. It, that's how it receives its importance. Absolutely. But if you take it out by itself and just say that that's the most 
important calling the highest calling? Well, you've separated it out from what makes it important. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You, you've stripped it of what gives it purpose. Yes, that's right. So other than motherhood is a woman's highest calling. And I know you have a book of 32 lies because we are, you know, you know, the enemy is a great, the great liar. And, and we're, there's a lot for us to, to combat. But what are some of the biggest lies you see moms believing today? Yeah. So along with the ones we've already talked about, one of the very biggest ones is the lie that mommy guilt is just something that you're kind of always going to have to live with. It's just part of life. You can kind of never be free from it. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it's not that I don't still struggle with mommy guilt from time to time. That does happen occasionally. But I'll tell you this, since writing this book, and it's so cool, Blake, because when you write a book, you, you try to write something that's going to encourage somebody else. And you hope that that's the case. But what's really cool is when God uses it to change your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when it's like, this is amazing. So as I was writing the book, I did not fully realize just how much mommy guilt I had been carrying mm-hmm. around. And it was just one of those things where subconsciously it was there pretty much all the time, but I didn't always realize that was why I was feeling kind of heavy. Yeah. <laughs> And so as I was writing the book, I, for the first time, I think ever read Romans 8, 1 in context. Mm. So Romans 8, 1, for anyone who isn't familiar, it's this beautiful, beautiful verse that says there is there, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I used to make the mistake of reading that by itself, I guess. Right. <laughs> I guess that's all I, I don't know. I guess that's all I ever did with it. And so because of that, I subconsciously had this thought that okay, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ as long as you have your act together. As long as you're dotting those I's, crossing those T's, then there's no condemnation for you. But as I was writing about this lie in the book, I backed up and I read Romans 7. And I had never read those two chapters together somehow. I don't know, but somehow I had it. And at the end of Romans 7, that's where Paul is lamenting his sin struggles. He's saying, you know, I do delight in the word of God, but those things that I know I'm supposed to be doing, yeah, I'm not doing those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and those things that I know I'm not supposed to be doing, those are the things that I'm doing. Yeah. And he talks about just feeling like this wretched man and just, you can hear almost the frustration in him that I'm sure so many of us can relate to. I know I can. Yeah. And when I read that passage and then read where it just continues right on into, but there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, it hit me. It was like, okay, so the Lord, just like Psalm 103 says, the Lord knows we are but dust. Like he knows we're going to struggle with sin. He knows that we still have this in nature in us, even as we're you know, being sanctified. But there's no condemnation mm-hmm. anymore because we're in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that guilt has been nailed to the cross. It's not ours to carry anymore. You know, and I had to realize that there was a difference between conviction and condemnation and guilt. Right. You know, because I think I used to think that that was the same thing, that conviction was all this heavy guilt. (laughs) And this just, this feeling so awful and so icky and just not being able to move past it. 
But I realize that those are very different things. The enemy uses condemnation to drive you further away from God. And you're going to want to kind of power in that corner over there, hoping God doesn't see you. Kind of like Adam and Eve, really. Right. Whereas like if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, that's going to lead you to draw closer to God. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be having kind of this heart of repentance. And you are going to seek to do life differently, but you're going to do so being closer to God mm-hmm. and walking by his spirit. And those two things are totally different. Yeah. I've, I think we've talked before on the show about mommy. It's mommy guilt versus mommy conviction. Sometimes mm-hmm. I need a good dose yes. of mommy conviction that yes, I have yes. I've been ignoring my kids for Instagram or <laughs> I'm taking out my own frustration on them unfairly, but mm-hmm. dropping my kid off at school in the morning so that I can go to work that shouldn't carry guilt. And it mm-hmm. does it does for me sometimes. I'll be I mean, I'd be yeah. totally honest. Or leaving my kids with a babysitter so that their dad and I can go like look each other in the face and say, Oh hi, <laughs> nice to see you for right. 20 minutes. That shouldn't carry guilt. And it does sometimes. And so yeah. it, there's such a delineation between the two and we get them muddied together and kind of make them all one thing. But like you're saying mm-hmm. you know scripture is clear that we can we god god in the spirit will help us decipher okay i'm walking out the door with my husband to go care for my marriage and store this relationship well and connect with him my kids are safe they are taken care of they are loved why do i then this this can't be conviction this is guilt Mm -hmm. you know and it's almost running it through like a litmus test right of Wait, you know, am I, am I honoring God with my life? Am I, you know, am I honoring my children? Okay, then this is garbage and I'm not going to carry this. That's right. Yes, exactly. So another one of the lies that you have that you and I know both are very passionate about is about mommy wars. It's the title of the chapter is Good Moms Do X, Y, Z. And I love it. I'm so very here for this because not much gets under my skin but mommy wars and the mommy shaming (laughs) from other moms does okay real quick wanted to tell you about charlotte's web cbd charlotte's web is the world's most trusted hemp extract and i have been using it for about four to five months now just to help me stay calm to help me focus it promotes Um, the lowering of inflammation in your body, which I have been working on recently, as well as just helps manage normal everyday stresses. I've had a lot of health changes in the last year, a lot of things that I'm getting off of and going on to, and bringing CBD into my supplement uh, lineup has been such a huge benefit. I take it in the morning to kind of help me focus throughout the day and manage stress. And then I also take their gummies in the evening to help me fall asleep. And I use their CBD roller at night to do the same. We're just like all in. I love all of Charlotte's Web's products. Uh, You can get 15% off of your order of any of their products using the code Blake15. So Blake15. And you can check out Charlotte's Web.com. 
My personal favorites are the sleep gummies and the tincture, but they also have a quiz on their website that will help you figure out what products are best for you. So check out charlottesweb.com and use the code Blake15 for 15% off of your order. So you know how I'm a huge fan of counseling, right? Well, I recently started working with a counselor at Faithful Counseling, and I knew I had to tell you about it. Faithful Counseling is an online Christian counseling network, and it's an incredible solution for people looking to find the help they need. I found the sign-up process to be really straightforward. You answer some questions, and you get matched with a counselor all within 24 hours. After that, you can log into your account at any time and message your counselor, plus scheduling weekly video or phone sessions. The extra bonus is that I found it to be really affordable, and they've extended a discount of 10% off of your first month. All you have to do is head to getfaithful.com slash crappychristian to join the other 500,000 people, myself included, who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Head to getfaithful.com slash crappychristian for 10% off your first month and to get started. Why do you find you're so passionate about kind of pointing out this problem and trying to help people change this culture of mommy wars? Mm, Yeah, well, (laughs) because I was a mommy warrior, to be honest, I was that person that sowed so much discord and disunity in the body and between moms. And actually, (laughs) that was going to be my first book. That was my first book idea. I was going to write that book on the mommy wars and and what's wrong with them and how they're affecting the church and why they aren't biblical. And then the Lord kind of dropped this idea in my lap instead. So yeah, (laughs) as he does, (laughs) as he totally does. So we'll come back to the other book idea. But but yeah, so when I uh, was pregnant with my first child, my daughter, I had a mom who she had me in the hospital, but had my brother at home. I married a man whose mom had had a couple of children at home and whose sisters had their babies at home. And I had a plan to have my daughter at home. That was like in my mind at the time, I thought that was how you were the baby. Like that is the way yeah. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I did, I did have her at home and I, I relished that whole uh, journey. That was a beautiful thing. But subconsciously, what I didn't realize was going on was that I was very judgmental and Mm -hmm. arrogant against any mom who didn't do it the way I did Mm -hmm. it. And I just had this horrible, just to like air the dirty laundry, I had this horrible uh, heart posture, if you will, of, wow, well, they really don't know, like, all the interventions they're going to get into, do they? Or, oh, they really don't know the downsides of this or that. And what ended up happening was when my daughter was 14 months, um, I got pregnant with our son and again, was planning on having another home birth, assuming that everything was going to go as well as my pregnancy did with our daughter. Mm-hmm. Well, at 15 weeks along, I developed a, a really bad blood clot in my hip. Mm. And I ended up going on blood thinners, had to do shots twice a day until I was like six months postpartum. I mean, it was like a over a year long process of that. And as soon as I had to go on the blood thinners, they made it clear. They're like, you at this point are potentially a hemorrhage risk when you do have the baby. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have to be in the hospital. And this may sound crazy to anyone who's not kind of had this mindset, but that rocked my world. Right. Like it, it really did. Yeah. 
no joke. Absolutely. <laughs> and so I'm here, I'm trying to wrap my mind around like, how do you have a baby in the hospital? Like, again, I know that sounds crazy probably, but, but just trying to like wrap my mind around this, like, how do I, how do I do this and not freak out over it? Like, I, I don't know what this is like. This wasn't my plan. And then at 36 weeks, when I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it, at 36 weeks, I go into my high-risk OB appointment because, you know, the blood thinners. And they do an ultrasound and discover that my amniotic fluid level was very low. Mm. And so, long story short, I had to be not only in the hospital, but I had to be induced mm. with Pitocin <laughs> for my son to be born, you know, healthy and well. And that really rocked my world because I was the girl who was super crunchy, had done all the research about, oh, Tosin makes, you know, things so much more painful and you don't want that and this and that and the other. And I just, I had a hard time with it. I really did. Um, now the birth experience went the best that it possibly could have. Like it was totally God's grace from start to finish. It was wonderful, but it was also painful in the sense that I came to terms by God's grace like, honestly, I'm, I'm grateful looking back. He had to humble me. And I, through this process, realized, oh my goodness, like I've got to be grateful for modern medical advances. My, my son could have died right. if they could have had a way to, to bring him into this world when they did yeah. three weeks early. Yeah. And so it was around that time that I really became passionate about this issue because I had to repent of this arrogant judgmental heart of thinking there's only one right way of kind of raising up my ideas or my standards up to the level of scripture when scripture does not speak to the vast majority of these mommy war issues. Um, there is no one right way to feed your child, birth your child, educate your child, um, fill in the blank with whatever else right, it is. Right. Um, there's just not one right way. Every child is so different. Every family as a whole is so different. God knows that. <laughs> That's why there's not one right way outlined in scripture. He knows because he designed us each so differently. And so I just had to realize and come to terms with the uh, terrible view I had of other women. And then after that, I began to see, because again, I came from this um, circle of, you know, home birth moms, um, not just in my family, but, you know, I kind of had made a lot of friends, Facebook groups and things that kind of thought like I did about that. And what was interesting and very telling to me was the day that I was told I would have to be induced um, in the hospital. My first thought was, what are those home birth moms mm. going to think about me? Yeah. And that's when I realized, okay, this is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that was your thought versus your child being born safely. Right? Right. Yes. Exactly. I think it's so interesting to have a conversation with someone, if I'm being totally honest, from like the other side of mm -hmm. the mommy wars. And I do not make say this to make it sound like I am judgment free because that is not true at all. Because <laughs> I struggle with my fair share of judgment about a lot of things, but motherhood just isn't one of them. Honestly, probably because I feel like I'm just doing it by the seat of my pants most of the time. But <laughs> I have been on the other side of yeah. that I'm my first you know my oldest is six years old now but when she was born I only breastfed for like a month or two and then I had really mm -hmm. terrible postpartum anxiety which was making my milk mm -hmm. supply dry up also just the medications that I was on to stay sane did not help my mm -hmm. milk supply either and I got I mean outright 
publicly social media shamed mm. for moving to her to a bottle as young as she was. Mm. And I remember it just being like, why do you care? What? Why <laughs> do you care what I'm feeding my kid? You know, it just being the most bizarre yeah. experience. And, and, and I've experienced it since then. You kind of learn to not care. But that experience that you had would rock anyone's world wanting to you know birth is such a sacred experience and it's you have all these hopes and these dreams and you had done it this way before so that would rock anyone's world kind of having that plucked away from you but like you said kind of adding that air of this is how it's done this is the only right way to do it I imagine that was kind of a stripping away of some identity that God was able to kind of go, hey, you're putting some of your identity in this thing and it's not me. So we're not going to do that. Yes. Yes. And that's a grace when he does that. It hurts like crazy. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It's a grace, but while you're in the middle of it, it is not fun. (laughs) No, it's not. It's, and it is, it's something that you can look back and see. Oh, we had to take this this identifier, whatever it is, mm-hmm. because I was leaning on it more than him. But yeah, yes. it absolutely sucks having the the rug pulled out from under you in the moment. <laughs> that yeah. thankfully, like you said, it is grace and it is something that we can look back and see his goodness in after the fact. Mm-hmm. It's true because I had to come to the realization and that's why the subtitle of the book is what it is. It talks about, you know, the gospel refuting these lies because what I didn't understand was like exactly what you said, you know, I was basing my identity in what I had accomplished with my daughter. Mm -hmm. Like what I do makes me okay. What I accomplish makes me accepted. And that's not the gospel at all. It's what Christ accomplished on my behalf. Mm -hmm. It's what he did. And so it, it had to even reframe my thinking in terms of the gospel, because I wouldn't have told you that I was believing a false gospel. I've known the gospel since I was very little, raised in a Christian home, church all the time, Bible drill, all the things, right? right? But I, even so, I totally had this subconscious idea that the gospel or my acceptance in Christ or, or the Lord being okay with me or approving or being happy with me was based in what I accomplished or what I did that was quote unquote right. And the sad thing was I was placing all of this weight on my shoulders when what I thought was right wasn't even a biblical standard in the first place. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. Well, and that's the fun part when you kind of look around and go, oh yeah, no, none of this has been, none of this has been what God has to say about me or about other people or about the world that we live in and kind of having to come to terms with that. So as you moved forward, you know, God used this experience to check that within you. How has your encounters and experiences with Mommy Wars, like what does that look like now? Mm, That's a really good question. So I think in some ways, well, in two different ways. First is, I, when I see an example of the mommy wars, like what you're saying on social media, mom shaming, things like that, I am extremely sensitive to it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I see it so clearly (laughs) sometimes, like maybe I'm almost reading too much into something sometimes because I just, I, I'm just very, very sensitive to it because I was there. I know exactly those kinds of things that are said and, and 
all that kind of stuff. So I'm very, very sensitive to it. The other thing is, and I don't say this to be arrogant at all, because <laughs> I, oh goodness, like I feel like I'm with Paul all the time, you know, when he says I'm the chief of sinners. Um, so I don't say this to, to be arrogant, but instead just to hopefully give everyone listening some hope if they've been that mommy warrior, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Honestly, when I, and I, I breastfed, I'm one of those that breastfed for a year to two years, depending on the child. And back in the day, I would have thought, oh, well, every mom should do that. Right. I did it right. You know, if I could do it, you could do it, whatever, which is very naive to say. Um, <laughs> but my heart has so been changed. And again, this is just a testament to God's grace, not to me, that when I open up my Instagram or my Facebook or something, and I see something like a mom choosing to use formula, mm-hmm. a mom choosing to do a different kind of sleep training thing than what I maybe did, a mom choosing to send their kids to public school instead of like the homeschool thing that we're doing. I don't have this knee-jerk reaction of seriously, do you not know better? Mm-hmm. Like, can you not do X, Y, Z? Instead, it's like, and I don't even have to like conjure up this part of grace. Like God's just been very I love gracious. that. Yes. It's, it's a, a girl, like you cannot deny the existence of God when you have had your heart changed like that. Absolutely. You just, you just can't. Like that is one of the biggest proofs of the existence of God in my life because you can't force yourself to change like that no. to that extent. No, you can't you, like grit your teeth and bear it, like right. force yourself into it. That That is so... When you said that, I'm sorry, I kind of yelled a little bit because I was like, yes, that is it. Like it is a gift. It is a, it is a spirit of grace that overcomes that you don't have to force it. You're not making it happen. You're not, oh, this is what I actually think, but here's what I know God says because no, like Christ is in you and he's giving you everything you need for life and godliness. And that's what that looks like is this is what my heart used to look like. And this is what it looks like now. Yes. Amen. And that will fire you up. Oh, like so that much. will make you so excited. <laughs> There's hope for everybody, okay? Like whoever you are that's hearing this, like whoever, like there's hope for whatever junk you have in your heart that you're still kind of being sanctified through. Um, there's so much hope because I had one of the most judgmental, arrogant hearts you would ever not want to meet, really. <laughs> <laughs> Like it was bad. And, um, it's, it's so different. It's so different. And there's, there's no way I could have done that. Yeah. You're just, you can't help but say, but God, you know, that it is all God. Can I just say that? I love that you're so open and honest about it that you'll say, I used to be really legalistic and judgmental (laughs) and (laughs) God had to do a lot of work in that because you just, you don't, I think I've seen a lot of that change happen because God is in the business of changing hearts. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like it's rare to find people who will just outright say, oh yeah, I used to think that moms didn't do, that didn't do what I do, weren't good moms or didn't you know or maybe didn't know better or whatever and that 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 shift has been so significant for you that you kind of can't help but say no 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 this is this is the heart I used to have but God has replaced you know a heart of stone with a heart of flesh and now I empathize and and see other people the way Jesus does I just think that's really 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 cool Well, that's God's grace too. I feel like honestly, I am kind of at that point too, where I can't 
not do that. Right. The reason being I had it and well, part of the reason anyway, being that I had an original blog that I started a really long time ago. I think it was like 2007, I want to say. And that was when I was at the height of my legalism, mm -hmm. like just the height of it before I was married, before I had kids, even like that, the whole mommy wars thing was just another outworking of my legalism. Right. Um, <laughs> but I had all that issues before, um, all those issues. And at the time, now that blog no longer sees the light of day. Praise the Lord. It was under my maiden name. So you can't find it. Like, <laughs> don't even try searching. You don't know my maiden name. So. <laughs> You're like, nope. Mm -mm. Can't find yeah. it. <laughs> but I, sometimes when I think about that original blog, I honestly get very sad because I think about, you know, how many people did I potentially lead mm -hmm. astray? Yeah. And how many people did I potentially enslave into the legalism that I was in? And that really keeps me very humble mm -hmm. in this area because I don't ever want to be that person anymore that knowingly or otherwise uh, enslaves someone mm -hmm. in expectations that are not of Christ. Amen. Amen. I mean, and I, just, I don't want to help the enemy out anymore. You know what I'm right. saying? Well, like, and now just... you're doing the work of undoing that, though. You know, the work yeah. that you're doing and the the story that you're telling and the message that you're sharing. If people who came across your blog before heard you now, I have no doubt that the the grace that you share now would would be a part of undoing mm -hmm. any kind of legalism that they encountered before. That's encouraging to hear. I can only hope so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's what God does, right? I mean, think about Saul to Paul. Like, mm -hmm. that is what he that is what he does. This is your story and my look. I have the total opposite story. People who listen to this know I am a wild child at heart. I am <laughs> grace abounds, and you know, there's no rules, and you know, I, so I swing the 180 degree other direction and have probably in my earlier years, which is going to sound crazy, but like leaned almost too much into grace and didn't, mm. you know, didn't understand the foundations of obedience and faithfulness and mm. that God, you know, tells, you know, God directs our paths for a purpose. And my hope is exactly the same as yours. God has changed. I mean, I'm still a wild child, like, let's be real, but <laughs> he has, he has tamed parts of my heart to allow me to show people like grace is so important and it covers everything. But also mm -hmm. let me tell you about the goodness of obedience and let me tell you mm -hmm. about the goodness of his way is better. You know, so mm -hmm. I just think that no matter what your story is, that that's what God is in the business of doing is just making us look more like him. And he looks yeah. like middle ground, you know, yes. because he is, he is wild and abundant oh, yeah. and grace filled and, Absolutely. you know, loving, but he is also structured and mm -hmm. has created things the way that he did with a purpose. And so I just think it's a really like beautiful kind of fusion of those, you know, two like night and day backgrounds talking to each other, agreeing on all of these mm. things. That's so cool. Yes. I that's, love that. The Lord, you know, we serve the same God. Like we have different backgrounds or personalities or whatever you want to call it, but we serve the same God and he works in both of us. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> so it's cool. And you know, his grace is what inspires us to 
obey. So it's like you, you do have both, like it's his grace and your, your gratitude for that grace. And that love is what spurs you on to obey out of love. It's not this legalistic, like, you know, he's scowling down at me. I must do everything perfectly like a saint. You know, it's, yeah, God's grace is so abundant to me, a sinner. And you know what? I want to obey him because he's just so good. Amen. Amen. Rebecca, this was such a great conversation. I'm so thankful for the opportunity for two people who have some different <laughs> backgrounds to come together and say, hey, moms, you're believing a bunch of lies. Here's what God has to say about it. That's right. See, we're all members of the same body if we're believers, Amen. you know? So it's like God uses your story. God uses my story. God uses the listener's stories. Like it just, it's a beautiful thing. It makes it very exciting to just walk out this path. I love it. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This has been so fun. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.